This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. And now we are good to go. Okay, well, Hashem. All right, so tonight we're learning Le'ilu Nishmat Avram Ben Chaim Yehuda and Yechazkel Ben Avraham. So tonight we're going to discuss a, um, an idea, a, a topic that, that's really building off things that we discussed previously. So we know that we have to do some sort of hishtadlut. And we also know that after we do our effort, we can tend to sort of regret our decisions. Maybe we should have done more, maybe we should have done less. And this is a topic that we spoke about. And that's what led us to our topic from last week, which is that you should never, ever, ever give up. This topic is sort of building off in that, and this is ideas or, or things that cause one to lose emunah, to cause one to lose bitachon. So we all want to grow. We all want to get stronger on emunah. We all want to get stronger on our spiritual growth. And there are times that we may feel like we're growing, and there are times that we may feel like we're, we're falling. So we're going to try to pinpoint areas of what is the, the concepts of falling in Emunah B'dachon, and where can we go and, in fact, grow and, uh, you know, sort of get better on our Emunah B'dachon. So, the first thing that we want to speak about is the sort of a self-inflicting, you know, lack of value, maybe that's a good uh, word to say, and that is that Many people have the understanding, the concepts of emunah. They know that Hashem can solve all their problems. But where they fear is that, you know what, maybe, just maybe, we don't deserve it. Or sometimes it's not maybe, maybe it's, maybe, sometimes it's definitely that they don't deserve it. Definitely that we don't deserve it. Because God is so great. God is so good. So well, I'm going to deserve it. It comes from sort of a place of humility, maybe. It's actually a good place. And, but because, because of that mindset, they tend to sort of, instead of increasing their imunah b'dachon, they sort of decrease it because they, they sort of give up and they say there's no point. So, in fact, the first reason that we're going to speak about the things that will go and be detrimental to imunah uh, b'dachon, things that will basically make you lose imunah b'dachon, is the, the vice versa, the exact opposite thing that we spoke about last week, and that is to never give up. And so the first thing is to give up. Give up will cause you to lose imunah b'dachon because you feel... You're not worthy. You feel you're not on a level that you should deserve it. Let's call that. It's a good word. To deserve something. So they give it up. So the Pasuk of Te'ilim, chapter 32, verse 10, says, There are many, a wicked person, someone who's a rasha, has much pain. But the Pasuk ends off, But someone who has trust in Hashem will be surrounded by kindness. The Medrash goes and explains that even if a person is a wicked person, even if a person is a rasha, but he trusts in Hashem, he still chesed yisovenu. He will still be surrounded by kindness. Meaning that even if he does sins, even if he's not on a level, even if he's not deserving of the saving from Hashem of the emunah b'tachon that he has, still he should persevere in the faith. Why? Because emunah is not based only on your good deeds. Yes, there is a concept, and we spoke about it before, that it is somewhat related, but even a wicked person could have, emunah, b'tachon, could have, um, you know, this this hope for salvation, and Hashem will give him that salvation. And in fact, the Midrash and Tehilim goes, 
and says that there's a thief, there's a robber that's going and is trying to break into a house, is digging a tunnel from under the house, not like nowadays where you have foundations. Beforehand, it was dirt on the floor. So it was fairly easy to break into a house, even if there was locks on the doors and there was no windows. All you had to do was just make a tunnel from under to the top and then to, you know, to get, get into the living room. And you don't have to break through any cement, you just go straight through. So says the Midrash, let's say you have a thief that he's digging, he's making a sin, he's breaking into someone's house, but he calls out to Hashem, save me. Even him, for whatever reason, needs to be saved. Even him, he is helped. And this is what the Chafetz Chaim writes. This is something we spoke about in depth, that bitachon, emunah, does not depend on one's worthiness. So one should never say, you know what, I don't deserve it. So let me give up emunah bitachon. Because if you do that, that's one of the things that will cause you to lose emunah bitachon. Because you feel like there's no point, there's no hope. If there's no hope, then there's no point, then why do it? So that's one of the things that would cause a person to go and to lose emunah bitachon. And we know this is the opposite of what the Torah uh, says, the Torah says in Tehillim chapter 62 verse 9, it says, You should go and trust in Hashem in all times. No matter what we need. And all times is not just in the good times and the bad times. It's even in the good times or even in the bad times, it doesn't matter what the situation arises. Meaning that there's nothing too small and there's nothing too big. And the, the concept behind that you could go and ask for anything at any time is based, the, the Rabbi Yonah goes and brings it down, in Pasukim Daniel, chapter 9, verse 18, that says, It's not on our righteousness, we say to God, that we're asking, that we're putting off our supplications before you, but rather, rather we're asking God based on, on, on His abundant mercy, meaning that we're not basing what we deserve because we deserve it. We're not basing what we want because we earned it. We're asking what we want. We're asking for our salvation. We're hoping to Hashem only because His mercy. And the truth of the matter is that no matter how much you have grown, and no matter how great of a righteous person you are, you can never be deserving of so much from Hashem. Hashem already gives us so much. So the essence of everything really is based off the fact that we don't deserve it. Really, we don't deserve it. But we're asking Hashem based off His mercy, based off the rachamim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the first thing, let's just do a quick recap. The first thing, that causes a person to lose emunah bitachon. And by the way, I don't know if I have to preface this, but maybe I should have said in the beginning, that emunah bitachon is so imperative, so important to your happiness, to your success in your life, that if I were to tell you these are the things that, you know, if I were to title this class, things that would cause one to lose money. Pads and papers, recorders, what is going to make me lose money? Things that will make me money, forget about it. This is, everybody is interested in that. And rightfully so, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be. But over here, this is the foundation of everything. Be, be the, the money, the health, the happiness, the shalom bayit, the, the, the marriage, the children, everything is based under this. So if these are things that will cause you to not get your life's desire, it is extremely, extremely important. And the Chavot Avot goes and brings down, in the Shalavi, the fourth, uh, the fourth gate in Shalavi Dachon, goes and says that another few reasons of what causes somebody to go and lose some things, uh, it's better yet, things that are detrimental to trust, detrimental to Emunah and Bitachon. So one of the things is, is somebody that only relies on what they can see without realizing the cause. An example is like this. Mashallah is like, let's say you have a king. And the king decides that he's going to punish one of his servants. So he goes to his prime minister, and he orders the prime minister to carry out this punishment. So the prime minister goes, and he orders 
the chief of police. You know, there's a chain of command. Everybody's delegating. The chief of police goes and he delegates this to the surgeon. The surgeon goes and sends it order to the officer. The officer goes and sends it to the policeman. Finally, the policeman comes with a stick and he hits the person with a stick as the punishment so requires. The fool of a person, the, the, the one who has very low intellect, will say, you know what's causing me my aggravation, the pain that I'm getting on my back right now? It's the stick. The stick is hitting me. And this is what the, the Gemara, the Chazal, tell us, that the generation before Mashiach comes, it will resemble the dog. Why will it resemble the dog? Because when you go and you hit a, uh, you know, a dog with a stick, the dog gets angry at the stick. It doesn't realize there's somebody attached to the stick. So it get, you, know, you throw something, it gets angry. It, it sort of has its, its, its mindset, its, its uh, outlook is very narrow vision. It sees exactly what it comes just, just to the front of it. But to go one step behind it, it's, it's beyond the, the concept of, of a dog. And I'm not saying a dog that was trained and blah, blah, blah. We're not talking about that. The basic concept of the basic character trait of a dog. The same way is that when you have a person of a low intellect, they're going to blame the stick for causing them the pain, the suffering that they had. But really, who is really the, the power of the stick? It's really the policeman. But it's not really just the policeman because it's really the officer who is above the policeman. But it's not really the officer, it's really the surgeon who is above that. It's not really the surgeon, it's really the chief of police who is above it. And it's not really the chief of police, it's the prime minister. It's not really the prime minister, it's really the king. The king who is above it. So when you want to go and, and, and you want to revoke a punishment, you want to go and, and try to get out of a punishment that the king says, you don't go talk to the stick. You don't go and talk to the policeman. You don't even talk to the minister. You want to get something done, you go to the top of the chain, the top of the line. And that is the king of kings, Melech Malchei Hamlachim HaKadosh Baruch when we go in our day today, in our in our lives, we have to realize the same concept. The things that are closer to us, what's closer to us is that stick. The things that are further away is the policeman. And the thing that is further away, further than that, is the officer, and then the surgeon. It sort of goes further back. So what has the greater power? The thing that is closer to you has less power. As you go further away, things that are that are, are further away from where the actual source is, the power gets stronger. Not how we tend to think that it's vice versa. The closer it is, the stronger the power. And finally, when you go all the way back, you reach to God. You reach to Hashem. And Hashem is the means of all. Even to the, to the point that, let's say, somebody did something to you. And you have a hard time forgiving them. Or somebody go and hurt you and stole from you. That We all go and be like, that person did something to me. And I'm using specifically this example because before I said this example, I guarantee 90% of people would be like, yeah, I understand that. That makes perfect sense. But if you understand that it makes perfect sense, then how come you get upset at other people? That means you're getting upset, maybe not at the stick, so you're getting upset, uh, upset at the policeman. Or you're getting upset at the officer. But if you were really to go and internalize it, and there's a limit on how much you could internalize it. You could go and you could internalize it you know, to the stick, you could internalize it to the person that stole, you could internalize it to the person that, could, that connected you to the person that stole, and you could, it keeps on going back. But if you go far back enough, it's going to lead to one point and one point only, and that's to Hashem. Because when you realize that everything is from Hashem, then you're not going to get upset at anybody. Now granted, this is not an easy, it's not an easy level to reach. And it's not something that's so simple and be like, oh, okay, fine, I understand it. No, it's something that is something that takes a lot of work, takes a lot of practice. But what goes and makes a, prevents a person, that things that are detrimental to a person from growing to Emunah, when they start getting angry at the stick, they don't realize the source of all power. So you want to grow, and by the way, a little trick to as we go along with the topic of today 
is everything that I say that is detrimental, if you flip it and you go backwards, that is something that will help you grow stronger and go stronger and closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that is one of the things. So this is really step number two, that we said things that will cause you to go and, and make you lose Emunah. Number one, we said that if you give up, you think that is no hope. Number two is that you don't realize the source of all power. There's additional reasons, and it says the Chavot al-Babot, that one who has ignorance regarding Hashem. He does not realize that God is great. He does not realize that Hashem is awesome, that He reigns over everything, that He rules over everything. And everything is completely from them. Somebody who doesn't have that feeling, you see how these things are very closely connected, somebody who doesn't have, has the ignorance of the Creator. And by the way, we're going to be speaking, uh, I'm going to be utilizing the, the word atheist, but that's not really, you know, today, not that much, but quite a few, quite a, a few times. When I say atheist, it doesn't mean that someone who doesn't believe in God. There are levels. Just like there are levels of how much you believe and how strong your, your emunabitahan is, so too in the aspect when I say atheist, it depends on where everybody has their level of where they're holding. That's what I'm referring to. So somebody who's in ignorance regarding his creator, let's say someone who doesn't believe in Hashem. So the more that a person doesn't believe in Hashem, the lower the level of emunabitahan. Some people are like, eh, on the border. Some people are very strong. They have a strong belief in Hashem, but they don't implement it in their, own, in their own life. The stronger that you make yourself understand God, that you make yourself understand the, the validity, the authenticity of what Hashem is, the stronger Yamunah B'dachon is. And the Chavot Avot, I want to bring another point, and I'm going to ex- expound on these two, is somebody who's ignorant on Hashem's commandments, also known as the Torah. The, the general principle that the Chavavot Chavavot is telling us is that there are two very important factors, Hashem and the Torah. The degree of trust is increased the more knowledge that you have of the Torah and of Hashem. The less knowledge of the Torah and Hashem that you have, the less of a trust of Emunah B'Techon that you will have. This is why, you know, we first, being those people that stuck with us for the past few years, we went through a bunch of series. And those series weren't just at random. I didn't just pick it out of the hat. This is an interesting topic. Let's talk about this. The series that kind of started with divinity, actually started with Mashiach, but we'll start with the focus of divinity series. That is something that started the foundation of what my, my big plan is, is with the help of Akadosh Baruch Hu to go and to, and to capture a very strong understanding of Judaism. And that is, we started first with the aspect of divinity. The divinity series, whoever is not familiar, is, is a series of 32 classes that we spoke about Ideas of understanding, not understanding, ideas of knowing that there is Hashem. Ideas of knowing that the Torah is real. Because without that information, we could not start speaking about Emunah. And by the way, we also had to put the, the you know, I'm going too fast. We have, to, we have to back it off a little bit. We have to go step back. When you want to go and you want to build Emunah, you have to know, number one, that there is Hashem. Once you know that there is Hashem, now you have to figure out, okay, now there's Hashem, what is the purpose of it all? If there's Hashem, there's, there, there must be a purpose. Meaning that if there's a creator, there must be a purpose to me, a creation of the creator. So what is my purpose? Now, once you know that there's a purpose, this is where a sort of religion sticks itself in. And then you start saying, wait a minute, religion? So what makes you think that you're better than all the other religions? 
How do we go and we figure out that our religion is the right religion as opposed to every, everybody thinks that they're the right religion? So this is something else that we spoke about in our classes. And how do you know that Torah is the 100% the right religion? There's no other Torah, there's no other religion other than, than this. Everything else is fake, it's nonsense, it's made up, and it's easily proven. Once we had that, now we, had case, now we know that there is a God. Now we know that there is a religion. But how do we know that what we have today is the authenticity, the authentic religion that we have when Hashem gave us to us? So we went through step by step. And once we did that, we went and we started discussing and how do you know maybe there's problems with the religion. Maybe there's questions on that. Maybe the rabbis made it up. We spoke about all these different concepts leading up to what we're discussing in this series, which is emunah. We stuck in between that, something of the 13 principles of faith. Whoever is not familiar with that, that's the Ani Ma'amin. That's the foundation of Emunah. So before we even had to get to Emunah, we also have to speak about the, the, the you know, the Ani Ma'amin. And this is Bezrat Hashem going to continue to our future series with Bezrat Hashem, with the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. May we be able to go and be able to accomplish and, and present the future series with clarity and, and purity and the correct a way of understanding it, and that is tefillah, that is character traits, things that are very important that is coming up, these are things that it all bases off previous foundations. And if you don't have the foundation, then you could learn the other ones, but it's not going to hold strong. That's what the Chavot HaVavot is telling us, that you want to have a strong understanding of emunah and bitachon. You want to live your life to the awesomest way possible. You have to have a very strong understanding of Hashem and of the Torah. And again, it doesn't take, you don't have to be a genius to recognize that there is a creator. It doesn't take a genius to go and to, to, and to realize that the Torah is 100%, besides amazing, awesome, and unbelievable, it's authentic. It's from HaKadosh Baruch But once you have that foundation, then you can start working on, on emunah. And by the way, it's it's not something that you have to listen or only you know to the classes that I give. By, by all means, folk, there's so many topics. There are H seminars. There are so many seminars that are they go and they prove to you that there is a sham. They go and they prove to you that the Torah is real. Now, even though you know the topic, it's still so beneficial to go and to um, and to listen to it again and to learn it again. I'll tell you to what extent. So I'm sure everybody here is is well, well familiar with the Daily Dose, Torah Anytime Daily Dose. If you're not familiar with the Daily Dose, I don't know, you got you have to climb out of the hole that you're living in and join the Daily Dose. I don't have the number off the top of my head, uh, but it's a good number, whatever that means. You have to go and you have to go and sign up to this to this Daily Dose. Now, Bo Hashem, the, the tremendous schut that I was given the privilege to be sometimes part of that uh, part of that daily dose. And this is something that I sent over to, um, I believe it was to Shimon, Shimon, uh, Shimon Mikol Yaakov, one of the founders of, of the Torah Anytime, in, you know, in general. So uh, the whole umbrella. And I said, you know, I get a daily dose that is things that I speak about, that I prepared, that, you know, I learned, whether I got it from different Sefel, whether I went and I, I, I you know, brought a chidush from myself, whatever it was, is things that I went and I learned. And then I went and I reviewed it and I memorized it and I said it and I spoke about it in classes. Then a daily dose comes out and it's of my classes. Now, I don't like to listen to myself. I, maybe people, you know, I think it's a, it's a very common thing. People don't like to listen to myself. Well, that's the way I sound. Yeah, we're good. That's what you, you know what it is. People have, I don't care about the way that I sound, but it's like, you know, I just, it just feels weird to me to listen to, uh, um, <laughs> to myself. But a daily dose comes out. So I feel like, you know, let me listen to it. And I listened to it, to something that I said, something that I prepared, something that I memorized, 
And then I'm like, wait a minute, I, I just got inspired from my own, th- like, it was my, I sent it to, to, to Shimon Yaga, he sent it to, you know, to the group, <laughs> I sent them a voice note, and I'm like, you know, it's, it's unbelievable, like, you don't understand the power of the Daily Dose, it's so powerful, the music that they put in the background, that you go ahead, and even something that you know, and even if it's something that you said, and even if it's something that you prepared and you memorized and you said it numerous times, but then you hear it again, even if it's coming from yourself, it's, you still get inspired by it. I found that mind-blowing. Talk about Chazara. Talk about the fact of reviewing. So it's so beautiful, so imperative that we, we tend to forget this aspect. That we learn something, we're like, oh, I know this topic. I'm not interested. I used to teach um, a certain group of guys. Um, and they, when, I, when they asked what topic it was, they were like, oh, no, you know, I, I know this one already. I'm like, you know this one already, so you give the class. And the second that they feel, and by the way, these are a type of people that while they know of the topic, but they'll know maybe, um, no, I shouldn't say anything. They'll know a lot. They're big tzaddikim. They're great people. I shouldn't, even though you don't know what they are. But there's always more that you can learn. There's always more that you can grow. There's always more that you can accomplish. And when you go and you say, you know what, I know this topic already, you sell yourself short. You really sell yourself short. So after I got that inspiration, can I say for my, it's never not for myself, it's for Hashem. Inspiration from things that I said, I was like, you know what, maybe it does pay to go and to listen to some of my class. And so so I started actually, if, if there was a class I said a long time ago and I wanted to review something, so I would actually listen to it. And I found something very, very interesting. You could actually do Chazar from listening to your own self. So it, it's something that was a shocking chidush to me, but at the same point in time, it was not. Because, like, I review my notes all the time. I have notes. I have tons of loosely... Well, not... This is green screen. But I'm saying, like, in, behind this, this is my spalim. You, ha- you know, I have my notes. I have loose leaves. I constantly review. But there's always so much more to learn. Because the more that you review it, the more that you memorize it, even if you know it, even if you memorize it, you go and you internalize it, it becomes part of you. It becomes a foundation. And that solidifies your understanding. So you want to grow in not solidify it, learn it again and again and again. Listen to all ta- all speakers on these topics. Listen to, read all the Sfarim, all the books that it exists. Even though you know the topic, because you learn it again and again, it's going to instill inside of you. It's going to become one of you. Just like a doctor, when a doctor goes... And a doctor becomes a doctor. They know all the information. Yet they get tested again and again. And they do rounds. And they're going into residency. And they're going and they're out of their minds with all they, they dream about medicine. That's all they do is medicine, 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 medicine. You want to know because it becomes part of them. They don't have to think anymore what the, what's the condition. They're not going to say, no, it's 5G. Oh, no. Okay, I shouldn't say that. Wait for the actual class. Okay, so anyways. The Sefer Amidot goes and says, what is another re- things that sort of are on the same umbrella of knowing HaKadosh Baruch Hu and knowing the Torah? What causes something, someone to prevent themselves from, from understanding and internalizing this? So one of the things is pride. Ga'ayva. This is something that is arrogance. Uh, um, this is where a person will prevent themselves from subjecting themselves to Hashem and to the Torah based off pride. Like, why should I do X, Y, and Z? Now, they're not going to say it outright, but it's something that's instilled inside of them and that sort of drives their decision-making. And the, the flip side of this, someone who mastered the trait of humility, which is the opposite of pride, that person is flooded with holiness, says the Sefer Amidot. It becomes flooded. And this is what the, the stipler goes and says, 
that atheism really is, it goes, it, it doesn't go together with reality. The idea of atheism, the idea of not believing in God, again, when I'm saying atheism, it means any spectrum of where you're holding. Even people that are believed, I'm talking about, so you have a little bit of doubt. That is also goes in the face of reality. It goes against the reality. Where does it come from, says the stipler? It becomes from the, this like spirit of impurity that rests upon the person. And where does it come from? So one thing, says the stipler, it comes from pride. It comes from the aspect of pride, so you can't give yourself over to know that I am an Eved Hashem. I am a servant of Hashem. No, you, people have a bad, what does that mean, servant Hashem? I have a, you know, I'm a, and in fact, I have one of the classes that I have prepared is that you are a servant of Hashem. Bezat Hashem will, in the future, will, will Bezat Hashem speak about that. We have a hard time understanding that because we're free. The home of the free, right? We have the ability to go and to do anything that we want, anything that we desire. And that is not the correct aspect of the Torah. What do you mean you're free? You want to be really free? How are you free if you have desire? How are you free if you're going and you're stuck to your, your arrogance? How are you free if you can't get out of your own head? If you can't stop smoking, is that freedom? If you can't stop drink, if you can't stop your addiction, is that freedom? So we don't understand even the concept of freedom, but that's not the, the topic for today. Uh, the idea of, the idea of pride is that we don't think with our intelligence. We think with our emotions. We sort of get, think of it as a bribery. We get bribed with our own emotions. Just like when someone's dating somebody and they are very emotionally vested, so they're not thinking the right way. They're, they're very biased to one aspect of it. You want to go and you want to buy a certain product if you really want that product, then you'll do your research and you'll ask questions. But even though somebody will say bad things about it, be like, but you know what? You'll, you'll start giving excuses. But he's so nice. I don't care if he stole money accidentally. You know, like by mistake, he was married before and he didn't tell anybody. Like, it doesn't matter. He's such a sweet guy. Like, it's, it's, we start making excuses. Why? Because we're bribed. We have our own emotions that are clouding us. So, Pride, arrogance, is also a bribe. And the Gemara speaks numerous stories about the power, the influence of, of a bribery. But there's more of bribery than just pride. And the, the, you think about the aspect of the Satan, the evil inclination, that is also, we also get bribed. Our desires, that's something that is bribed. In fact, the greatest philosophers, the greatest intellectuals of their time, they were blinded by their emotions. They were led, or they led themselves, better yet, to more opportune and less logical conclusions that the world is not controlled by Hashem. Why? Because it's convenient and it frees them, frees them from all moral obligations. So they decide and they sort of venture where they want to, where they want to go because it makes them feel better. And once it makes someone feel better, so that's where they're lying. So they're bribed. They're also bribed. They're longing for the pleasures, the luxuries of life. And this is where they're, they're, they're led to. So where, do, where does a person's downfall come from? It comes from when we start relying on our own wisdom. Because we know better. We're so smart. We're geniuses. We know everything. So instead of relying on Hashem, instead of relying on God, we go and we make our own calculations. And this leads us astray, unfortunately. This leads us away from Hashem. This leads us away from the Torah. It leads us away from the Munah B'tachon. And it becomes to a point that this person, this individual, comes to believe that their perversion of reality is 
the reality. Everybody else is delusional. I, I can't say if it's unfortunate or have the schut to speak to people that don't believe in Hashem and try to convince them, you know, in, into Hashem. And, and it's, you know, it's very, very interesting that the people that I speak to, some of them have a real desire. I was speaking to one person today um, from a different country and spoke for quite, quite some time. Uh, and this person really desired to know the truth. Like they are asking questions, but they wanted to to come to some. They didn't. They weren't in a, in a in a perversion that's saying, you know what? There's no Hashem, and that's where it stands. You're crazy. You're one that's uh, you know way too fanatic. They everybody thinks that they're the one that's normal. Everybody else is delusional. I've spoken to plenty of people in that mindset that they think that oh. Only if you only do open your mind, open your eyes, and look out to the research of the world, then you'll go and you'll see the truth of it all. And the truth of it all is that religion is nonsense, chas they will say. But the answer is it's absolutely not. Like, I, we've gone and we've proven it. But what did they say to that? Oh, they, they, they'll find some other, you know, negligible reason to go and say that it's not true, which really is, is, is false. But they'll convince themselves because they're bribed. We're all bribed in one way or another. We all have one sort of, of, of path that we want to go. It's very, very difficult and very brave for somebody to go and to take out their emotions and be, think very logical. This is the, one of the reasons of when I, the way that I cre- spoke about the Divinity Series is that I didn't just bring the topics. And this is something that right when I first started speaking, what were we talking about? Over 10 years ago. And I had a student that would always ask me questions. And I knew that this student, like, he wasn't, like, the truth is, it wasn't even a student. Sarof as a chavusa. I was just speaking all the time, but he was still, we, we called him more of a chavusa. And he would always ask me questions. And I would say, but, like, you know the answer. Like, why are you asking it? He's like, no, I'm training you. He tells me. He's like, I'm training you to how to go into answer. And I was like, okay. I went with it. But it really worked. Because I started thinking that way. And when I started creating classes, I started thinking of what would be the thing that they would ask me and how do I answer that? And better yet, let me preempt that, that they don't need to answer that. So let me put that in the, in the topic already so that will answer their question. And I would go in a certain way that I would answer the questions before it would actually come. Because I would think of their question. So I would cre- when I would go create a topic, I would think from both areas. I would think from a person that believes, from a person that understands, and from a person that doesn't believe, and what questions will they ask. In fact, when I first started speaking, I had more time on my hands. I, uh, I used to create, before I would give a class, and this is before I was even recorded, I would create two or three alternate classes to give for that one class. And it depends who came and what was their attention span on what I spoke about. So there's sometimes I went from here to there and then some, somewhere else because I, I played a lot with where I was, who I was dealing with and what would be their response. So that's how I tried to go. And when I spoke about the divinity series, so it's not just like, here's a Torah, it's true, blah, blah, blah. No, let's go and let me see what the other people would say. And let me go. So I tried to take myself out of the equation and answer it from all different angles so that it's authentic, more, more to speak. And it's not one side biased. But... The ultimate truth is, is that when you and me, we all have desires, we all have emotions, we all have different things that bribe us, that sort of lead us to a different path. And it leads us to a certain path that this is the path that we want. 
this is the path that we need to go to. And we, we feel like we're making the right choice. But the problem is that sometimes we are and sometimes we're not. Sometimes we bribe ourselves into fooling ourselves that this is the right choice. Rabbi Yaakov Galinsky once explained that there was um, a pol- the, the way that the Polish police decided if a driver was drunk, this is before they had the breathalyzer, before they could blow into something and see what the level of alcohol that they had inside them. So they had a narrow paved road outside the police precinct. And they, if they wanted to figure out if the driver was drunk, they put the driver in the beginning of this narrow paved road and they ordered to drive down this road. If the vehicle, you know, it's very narrow, so it like fits just a car. If they weave from side to side, they were locked up. That means that you're drunk. Either a bad driver or a drunk, whatever it was, I guess two reasons to lock them up. And they locked them up. If they drove straight, that means that they're good. So on one occasion, there was a guy over there, and he got behind the wheel, and the policeman says, okay, now you drive straight down the path. And the, the guy is looking out the you know, out of the, from his steering wheel. He's looking at the road, and he's like, officer, you want me to drive down? He's like, first straight in the path, and then I'll drive down it. And the officer didn't have to say anymore. He, lo- he took him. He says, why don't you come with me? And he's led him right to the cell. Why? Because the path was straight. He saw it like this because of his alcohol, you know, and the intoxication that he had. Says Rabbi Galinsky. He says, you know, there, so it is with faith. It's straight and simple. It's just a straight path. It's very simple, very straightforward. But our heads aren't straight. So sometimes when we look at a straight path, we look at it as crooked. And we can't see it as a straight path. The, the, the aspect of mistaken atheism is not bad logic. It's driven by desire. And I was speaking to a person today, and before, he had a bunch of questions of Hashem and the Torah, and I said, before we go and we even start speaking about that, let's try to find the root cause of the problem. I, and I explained to him, I said, there's two possible reasons of... There's actually two possible ways that we, ha- we could go about doing this. And we have to go about both of them. Number one, you have questions. And we have to answer those questions. We have to answer the questions about God. We have to answer the question about the Torah. We have to answer all those questions. But we also have to figure out why those questions came about. Because if you were born and raised religious, and you went to Yeshiva your whole life, then why all of a sudden do you have these questions? Is it maybe that you're angry? Maybe you're bribed a certain way. And that could be based on anger. Maybe you're angry at Hashem. Maybe you're angry at rabbis. Maybe the rabbis weren't nice to you. Maybe, uh, you know, you had a tough childhood. Maybe you'd have a good time in yeshiva. Maybe there's something that's causing you. Maybe you have a desire and you want to achieve that desire. And that's what's causing you. So you have the problem, which we have to deal with it. But then you have the root of the problem, which is what's causing you to get to the problem. And we have to answer both of them. Baruch Hashem, this particular person was very honest. And we were able to get to the root of the problem. We started working on the problem as well. But not everybody's honest. Not everybody would say, you know what? I know there's a root to the problem. I know there's something there. Because the truth of the matter is, it's a straight path. Between you, Hashem, the Torah, everything is straight. as simple. It's very, very straightforward. But we make it crooked. Because desire pulls us this way. Pride pulls us the other way. You know, there's so many things that we're just pulled by different emotions, different briberies that we bring either to ourselves or are, are, are shoved upon us. So the aspect of bribery, the aspect of bias is so powerful that they can convince something is white is black. They can convince that something is red is really blue. And how do they deal with all this stuff? They say, I don't believe in anything. Because it's too conflicting. Rav Yosef Leib Leib Blach 
was, uh, you know, this story happened during his time. There was a Jewish university student, and he was a guest at a certain secular Jew's um, home. And this person's name was Yeshaya Levitan. I'm only saying this name because this is the story, the way that I, that I read it, that it was brought down, his name, which I'm surprised that his name was brought down. I don't know if it's a real name or a fake name, but the name was Yishai Levitan. And while this university student was staying by this person's house, Mr. Levitan committed suicide. He slid his wrist, unfortunately, Rahman al and um, he was discovered, uh, you know, dead in a pool of blood on his floor. And they called, you know, they, they, they hurried to, to bury him in the local cemetery, and um, the family, whatever they were holding with sitting shiva or not, however religious they were. After that, they realized something peculiar happened in the house. Each night, after the, the death of Mr. Levitan, pieces of the ceiling started falling down to the floor below. And the friends of Mr. Levitan heard about this, and they decided that they want to spend the next several nights, they will play cards by the house to see if it's really true. Because they come in the house in the morning and they see, you know, pieces of cement, pieces of floorboards all on the, from the ceiling all on the floor. So they decided they're going to start playing cards to see what's really happening. Sort of think of it that they're going to a haunted house, see what's going to come out. And they're sitting over there, they're playing their cards, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, suddenly starts plaster starts falling down from the ceiling in a large chunk. They concluded there's an evil spirit in the house. So there was one religious associate of Mr. Levitan, and he went and he discussed this matter with Rav Blach. And the rabbi went and says, let's check the mezuzah. They checked the mezuzah, it was all good. He said, the whole family, are they wearing tzitzit? They were all wearing tzitzit. So everything they tried, nothing helped. So Rav Blach went and he said, you know what, it's a waste of time trying to exercise an evil spirit that's uh, maybe dwelling in the house. We have to very simply follow the requirements of Allah. Because what happened? This person, unfortunately, slit his wrist, was bleeding all over the floor. The floorboards absorbed the man's blood, and they needed to be buried as well. The all aspects of a person's body and bodily fluids, that all have to be buried. So the next day, this is only after a person passes away, the next day, the city decided they're going to listen to the rabbi. They went and they gathered the floorboards, and they, take it, they took it to the cemetery and they buried it. The nightly downpour of the ceiling sees the second that they put away all the floorboards, everything that absorbed blood, there was no more ceiling falling down. Now Rav Bloch writes, and he says that even those that were not learned into the principles of faith into the Torah, they had to admit that there was no rational explanation for what happened. Why is it all of a sudden that the floor, the, the ceiling stopped caving in? So one of the people that were not religious when they heard, all, they refused to participate in anything. They didn't want to go to the funeral. They didn't want to go to the shiva. They didn't want to do anything with this. Why? Because the person announced, and he said that if I am forced to acknowledge the ramifications of what I see, I'll have to admit to the truth. And if I have to admit to the truth, then I'll have to retreat everything that I've ever done into the very depths of my being. And he says, I'm not interested in that. So Rav Bloch went and concluded that people will consider the, look, look at the level of what people will protect themselves which, with even the things that are so obvious. People will refuse to learn about Hashem. People will refuse to deal with the truth. Why? Because of the outcome and the results. They see it straight out in their face. They see it right here screaming at you. Hashem is screaming at you. But instead of looking and saying, oh, you know what? Maybe I should change something. Maybe I should go and become more religious. Maybe I should learn more. Maybe I should dress more modest. Maybe I should give more charity. 
but no, you know what? Because that's going to be too difficult for me. It's going to be something that's going to be too difficult and I'm not interested in changing my life. The, the unfortunate reality is, is that people think that they're not on a high level of Emunah B'Tachon. And you want to know why that is? That's because they're bringing, they're, they're sort of holding themselves back. The more that you let yourself fall into the Hashem, you let yourself fall into the Torah, the closer you're going to have, the stronger Emunah B'Tachon that you're going to have. And this leads us to the next aspect, and that is Averot Sins. Many people, they would mistakenly believe that it's possible to commit forbidden acts, and this is not going to alter their trust in Hashem. And this is a grave, grave mistake, because once they have their sin, that, that their emunah, their faith is tainted from that. What happens is, is when a person goes and, and unfortunately does a sin, does that person now give up on his emunah? No. Does he give up on his good health? No. Does he give up on his success, on his wealth, on his panasah? No, he still hopes. He does a sin and he still hopes for everything. And they should. But he still has the hope. The problem is, is that once a person does a sin, once a person does an avara, it automatically weakens his trust. He thinks I could still get along and I could still succeed despite of what I did. But every sin that a person makes, makes himself less of a ba'al bitachon. He makes himself less of a believer. He tries to forget it. He thinks Hashem will overlook it. But really, the truth of the matter is that every sin that a person does is a contradiction to emunah and bitachon. We have to be very, very careful and put great effort to fulfill whatever Hashem told us that we need to fulfill. And if one trusts in Hashem, one has emunah and bitachon in Hashem, but then he goes and he rebels against Hashem, then either his intellect is very, very weak, or he doesn't have a full trust in Hashem. Yes, we have desires. Yes, we fall. And yes, we have to, you know, get back up. But if something is consistent, we're constantly falling back, then something is not equaling the equation over here. We can't go and think that we will trust in Hashem and keep on doing sins. We won't have to do Shiva. We'll escape from His judgment. No, we have to have Emunah B'Tachon. By the same point in time, we have to realize that we have to do mitzvot. You cannot go and say, you know what? I believe in Hashem. But at the same point in time, you don't listen to Hashem. You know how many people that I speak to don't keep Shabbat, don't keep kosher, but they have the greatest emunah and bitachon. And, and I'm not joking. It's, it, it's really sincere. They will go to any lens that they have emunah and bitachon. I'm like, but, but I don't understand. But you're not listening. But then you're demanding. Like, how, how does that work? How, how? And it's something that's very... Like, that's a very extreme case. But when we all look into ourselves, we also do it to some level. We also do it to some level. We have this high level of Manah but yet we rebel against Hashem. I'm not talking about going and falling into sin once in a while and then getting back up. I'm talking about when we rebel, we can constantly sin. So, we have to really take this into, you know, into consideration. You want to grow in Manah B'Tachon? Don't sin. And we'll soon grow, you know, add a little bit, to, you know, to this. But when we think about it, that okay, so we have to listen to Hashem, and then we have the Munam Bitachon. And we think it's sort of like an exchange. I listen to you, and you listen to me when I want what I want. And the answer is that this is not a simple ex- exchange. The more that you ask Hashem, the more that you listen to Hashem, the more Emunah you have. Now, Emunah is something that requires constant growth, constant, you know, uh, you know, improvement, that if you want to go and you want to improve your emunah, ask Hashem for everything. Realize that you want a pair of new shoes, you go into the corner and say, Hashem, can you please give me these new shoes? 
I don't care if it's $2,000. Whatever it is that you want, you go and you ask Hashem. The more that you listen to Hashem, it's not like, okay, I'm listening to you, now you're going to pay me back. No, no, no. The more that you listen to Hashem, now you're increasing your level of emunah. You're increasing your level of bitachon. You're increasing your level of observance. So this is something that's not tit for tat. It's not something you listen to me, I listen to you. It's something that you're growing to to, to a level that you weren't there before. The stronger that you are aware of Hashem's mastery of the world, the more that Hashem is going to reward you for that. And we could really break this down into any of the mitzvot. Why do, why do people circumcise? Well, let's rephrase that. Why do Jewish men circumcise? All right, we have to be. Why? Because we recognize Hashem. Why do we put on tefillin? Why do men put on tefillin? Because we recognize Hashem. Why do we eat kosher? Because we recognize Hashem. Hashem gave us these laws. Why do we keep Shabbat? Because God created the world for seven days. Everything is in recognition of what God did and what God told us. The more that we put into keeping the mitzvot, the more that we go and do the good deeds, that is, gives us the, the recogni- recognizing the will of Hashem. And that goes even a step further. The more that you recognize the will of Hashem, the more energetic that you will have to fulfill whatever Hashem's services are. Whether you're learning, you'll be energized. You'll be pumped. You'll be screaming, even whatever it is that you're learning. You'll be praying. You'll be so emotional with it because you'll connect to it. The more that you realize this recognition, the more that you will connect to it. When a person goes and trusts in Hashem, that means that they're aware, they know that Hashem controls everything. It's getting a little bit late. I really wanted to speak about a few things, but let's see if we'll have uh, you know time for it. We have, I, okay. Let, let's let's quote a few things from Rab Miller because it's getting late. How do we go, and how do we, how do we go when we work on this? I want to share with you a few things on, on from Rabbi Victor Miller. That one of the first things that you want to go and you want to grow in your emunah. And by the way, this is not emunah, This is also on anything. It depends on your environment. If you're in an environment where people are apikarsan, people are, uh, you know, they they speak about disbelief of God, they speak about disbelief of the Torah, you're in an environment that is bad for you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get it, no matter if you know the truth. No matter if you know what's going on, but if you're in a bad environment where people are constantly saying that there's no God, there's no Torah, there's no, it's going to infiltrate in you. You want to know what's the step one of, to prevent yourself from going and falling in a munan bitachon? Surround yourself by people that believe, people that have a strong munan bitachon. It's really unbelievable. If you ever go to Israel, and you, I don't know if you're in seminary, and you, whoever, you shivat over there, and you go eat by people over there, you could see the level of a munan bitachon people have. It's not somebody who has, I have a million in the bank, so I have a munah bitachon, I'm okay. These are people that owe a million to the bank, and they have a munah bitachon. You know, these are people that have such a high level. These are the people that you have to go and you surround yourself. That if, if you're going and you're working all day, so you're coming home at night, so what do you do? Do you sit down by the couch and you open the TV? Do you sit down, you listen to the radio, whatever it is, you watch YouTube for 12 hours straight? So you know what's going to happen? That's your surrounding, that's your environment. What will you know? You will know Instagram. So on your tombstone, you'll have thumbs up and a heart. Because this person got the most hearts and the most thumbs up, whatever it's called, the most likes. You know, like this is what you surround yourself. That's what you're going to become. To the point that anybody who remembers a little bit of their dreams realize that whatever they think about very often, that's what they dream about. So that instills who you are. So you know what? If you're dreaming about clothes, so that's who you are. That's what your soul represents, clothes. 
You want to go and you want to put, put yourself in a right environment. Put yourself in a right mindset. Whether you're working, whether you're coming home, put yourself in the right environment. Rabbi Victor Miller says number two. He says to, be, to grow in Emunah, to grow in Bitachon. It's, not, it's something that requires an investment. And what's the investment? Those are mitzvot. The more mitzvah, the mitzvot that you do, the more in, interest you'll have in Emunah. The more sins that you do, the less interest that you'll have in Emunah. And again, we'll, we'll devil this in a little bit. A third way, says Rabbi Victor Miller, is repetition. It's not just the fact, this is what we spoke about also, it's not just the fact of understanding it. You have to go and you have to impress it upon yourself. Imbue it into your own being. This is who you are. The, the, this is if you, I don't know if you realize, you, hopefully you did, but when we pray, we pray the same things again and again. Like I said this already, why don't I have to say it so many times? Be like, no, because you're, imper- you're imbuing it into yourself. You're becoming one with that prayer because you know it, you're part of it. That's working on Emunah. You're constantly instilling it inside of you. When you pray properly, you're putting Emunah into you. When you're learning Torah, you're putting Emunah into you. You can't go and sit back and you decide, okay, I'm ready to have Emunah. I have people who be like, you know, like, okay, I'm ready to become religious. What are you going to do? I'll keep Shabbat. And then what? And they're like, what are once baby, baby steps? You know, like, uh, that's all they're going to do. But what happened? What, what's after that? And they think that they're going to be religious when they do one thing and they sit back. Now I'm a tzaddik. No, you have to go and you have to repeat it. You have to go and imbue it inside yourself and go and you have to learn and you have to pray. And you have to keep on going and keep on becoming a part of you. You can't go into a businessman's meeting and be like, you know what? I'm ready to become rich. Businessman be like, so what do you want from me? It's like, go work, go hustle, you know, go close some deals. What do you mean you're just ready to become, ready to become rich? There are people that go and um, they, spend, they spend lots and lots of money to search for gold. How do they search for it? You think that it's an old thing, but you know, in, in the olden days, there would be people that would transfer um, in boats, gold, jewels, all these expensive you know, items. And very often, uh, in the olden days, it was very unfortunate, but the ship sank. So there's a lot of riches at the bottom of the ocean. And there are people spend a lot of time, a lot of money, going and searching for it. You could call the amateurs of these, as if you've ever gone to the beach, you see a guy walking around with a um, metal detector. With headphones. That person's probably looking for loose change, but that's the same concept, you know, of going. I don't think he's expecting to find out the gold that someone 10 paces from the tree, you know, dug from a pirate, you know, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. So this is something that people go and they search for it. And they spend tons and tons of money and resources to go and find these artifacts, these, these, these items. You want to go and you want to search and you want to grow in Emunah? You gotta search for it like you're searching for money. You gotta grow for it. You gotta go and you have to constantly go and, and search for it and constantly go and, and dive deep into the seas to go and find the emunah, to go and, and build that emunah. With that, we're gonna have to try it and put this all together. And this is really where the class was, was really leading up to. And this is something from Shimshon Pinkus. The Nefesh Shimshon brings down. The Rambam in Sefer HaMitzvot goes and says, that you want to know what's the very first mitzvah? The very first mitzvah is emunah. The first mitzvah is what to believe in God. As it says in Shemot chapter 20, verse 2, Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am Hashem, your God. But some who shown him go, and they object, be like, wait a minute, emunah is so basic, is a prerequisite to all the other mitzvot, that it's not considered a mitzvah, it's a, it's a prerequisite to all the mitzvot. A person cannot fulfill any mitzvah without being first a believer, first having the emunah. That's one objection. Another objection was that it's a question of, 
if, if this is one of the commandments, and the commandment is that you have to believe in God, the question is, how can you command someone to believe? The question goes even furthermore. There's a mitzvah. The Rambam counts this as the third mitzvah. It's called Ahavat Hashem. You have to love Hashem. How could you command someone to love? You ever ask that question? How could we love Hashem? You have to love your fellow neighbor. How do you go and you love something that you don't love? If you don't like this candy, how do you, can you, how could somebody else tell you, you know what, you go and love this candy. Like, why should I love, I don't love this candy. How can you tell me to have an emotion? We'll take this to the fourth mitzvah, fear of God. How could you tell a person to go and have fear of God? That's an emotion. How can you command someone to fear? So the answer regarding Ahavat Hashem is that there's such sweetness, there's such pleasantness surrounding Hashem that a person is naturally inspired to love Hashem. And in fact, says Rabbi Shishim, because it's not possible not to love Hashem. Because whoever knows Hashem loves Him. And if you do not love Him, that means you do not know Him. You do not have any contact with Him. So what is the mitzvah of Avat Hashem? What is the mitzvah of loving Hashem? It's actually more technical than emotional. The mitzvah is to do things that will bring us to love Hashem. The mitzvah is to get us to know Hashem. And once you know Hashem, you will love Hashem. How do you fear Hashem? How is you know, the, the aspect of commanding someone to fear? Because Hashem is so awesome, so fearsome, that it's impossible once you get to know Him not to have fear of Him. Not to have Yirat Hashem. The, the concept is that you perform the actions that fear of Hashem will necessarily follow. It says Rabbi Shishman Pekas, beautiful. This same thing applies with Emunah. If a person would simply have contact with Hashem, he would believe in Hashem. So what does the mitzvah of emunah, of faith in God, entail? That, inf- that entails to perform actions by which emunah will necessarily follow. Emunah starts with a very simple idea, that there is Hashem. And the obligation is that we do things that bring us to true emunah. Just like the mitzvah of loving Hashem is not just to love of an emotion, but it's to perform actions or ideas or things or feelings that will bring out the love. So to emunah involves in bringing out these beliefs, these concepts. Emunah is a certain level of connection to Hashem. The closer we come to Hashem, the more connected that we become. If a person comes and denies Hashem, says this is the greatest miracle. If a person goes and sees a table, they know that there's a carpenter involved. You see a camera, you know that it was produced by somebody who knows how to produce cameras. But when you look at a human eye, which could heal itself, a human body, which could have a virus go infiltrate, a very deadly virus, and it could heal itself, you don't have to concentrate and be like, okay, virus, be gone. I mean, a lot of people think they could, but you can't, right? It's something that comes part of your own body, sort of does its own self-defense. It has its own system that's running in the background while you're daydreaming. It's running around around the clock and fixing you so that you can wake up tomorrow and scroll Instagram, right? That's what the body's doing, working around the clock to go. And that create was created by just like by accident. You, how could anybody deny Hashem? You want to know how could someone deny Hashem? Says Rabbi Pinkus, because it's when a person is distanced from Hashem. And how does a person get distanced from Hashem? That's like we said before, the more sins that you do. If you do a sin, you are distancing yourself from Hashem. And Rabbi Pinkus goes and explains this with Yehud. Yehud is, is a prohibition that you're not allowed to be secluded. A man and a woman who are not married together are not allowed to be secluded in, in the same room with each other. Now the effect of it 
is that if someone does the sin, there is a powerful spirit of impurity that lies upon those two people. The impurity attaches itself to those people. There was once a righteous person that was that he found himself in a, alone with a room with an 85-year-old woman. Let me repeat that. He found himself alone with a room with an 85-year-old woman. He was a young man, a young tzaddik. Found himself in a room with an 85-year-old woman. He immediately jumped out the window. And again, this is not the Twin Towers that he jumped out. He jumped out the window to safety. Then, you know, when, when they saw him running so far away from this situation... You know, he was asked, like, why are you running? Are you afraid of her? Like, are you afraid Are you afraid of, like, Yichel? Like, what are you afraid of? You know what he answered? He said, I'm not afraid of her. I'm afraid of the Shulchan Aruch. I'm afraid of the sin that comes to it. Because the second that you do something wrong, regardless of how much your desire boils down, there is a sin of impurity that lies upon you. And when you have that sin of impurity that separates you, that takes you further away from Hashem. I speak to people, let's say, that have questions about God. And when I find out when was the last time they put on tefillin, when the last time they learned, when the last time they did anything, it's so far, I'm like, of course. You've been sinning nonstop for four years. Why should you be close to God? It's like a person says, I don't understand why I'm not in love with my wife. Because you haven't seen her in four years. You haven't spoken to her in four years. You haven't looked at her in four years. Why should you love her? You don't know who she is. How should somebody go and go and be connected to Hashem? Know who Hashem is. Emuna brings a person to Ahavat Hashem. It brings a person to love Hashem and fear of Hashem. But so does lack of Emuna. It brings a person to some very, very serious spiritual setbacks. If you have, you know, good God-fearing Jews... And they start speaking to atheists and they start listening to lectures about... I have people that call me up because of the classes that I have online. They call me up and be like, I just heard this... I don't even say their names. These, this atheistic guy speak about disproving the Bible. What do you have to say about the Bible? And, and I'm like, I don't understand. You're, you're going and you're listening to this person and then, you're, then you have questions. So, okay, let's answer the questions. And we've answered the questions. You know what they do? They go back and they listen to it again. And be like, okay, I have other questions. I'm like, so wait, so where are you going to? Are you doing research for this side or are you doing research for that side? You can't say that you're biased because we're very impressionable pe- people. The, when we listen to something, the more that we surround ourselves with something, we, that environment, we're going to become imbued with it. So you think that, okay, you did your research and now you're not, you don't follow, you don't believe in Hashem? No, 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 that's not what happened. You went and you surrounded yourself, you watched, you entertained yourself with people that died, and that's when you became influenced. You think that you're smarter than everybody. No, you went and you became influenced by it. If somebody goes and listens to things that deny Hashem, that affects you, even if you don't believe it. Even an off-color joke can ruin a person's purity of thought. How many times I've given such serious classes, like, like serious Musa, and then one person that then said a joke, and I could see it ruined everything. I, you could see sometimes people are like, you know what? I will change. And one person said a one-liner and just lost it all. And it was just like an hour of screaming down the drain. I'm just joking. It wasn't screaming. And well, it was. Let's not lie. Um, the, you know, all this concept, this, this impurity could go and just attach itself and it's, and, it's, and it's done. We're not immune to these things. No matter how much you learn, no matter how much you know, we're not immune. We have to stay away from these things. There's a certain degree of impurity that goes upon this. So you want to know how to combat that. You want to know how to go and improve that. You want to know how to go and prevent these downfalls. You have to constantly speak about emunah again and again. And how do you do that? What is the force behind that? 
the force behind that is the Torah HaKadosha. You want to go and you want to uproot this destructive force that prevents you from getting close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that prevents you from having a Munah B'dachon. Says the, says the Mishnah Avot that no one is free unless you occupy yourself with Torah. And this is what the Nefesh HaChaim also breaks down. You want to connect to Hashem that mainly comes through Torah learning. You want to feel, you know, this, this connection to, to, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's through this learning of Torah. You know, Rav Shishabig goes and says something, you know, so enjoyable to hear. It's, it's like, it's so true that the aspect of learning Torah is what brings us closer. You, you know, when you go and when you learn a certain topic, you feel closer to that topic. So you learn about Shabbat, you'll get closer to Shabbat. You're learning about Emunah, you'll get closer to Emunah. But really, the truth is, as our perception is, this increased knowledge is not what brings a person to Emunah or closer to Shabbat. It's the Kedusha of the Torah that does that. As the Gemara says in Kedushin, page 30b, Barati Yetzahara, Barati Torah Tavlim. I created an evil inclination, but I created an antidote. And the antidote to the evil inclination is the Torah. Because you want to get out of the the evil inclination, that's where the attachment to the Torah is. When someone learns Torah, there's a Kedusha that explodes inside them. And the impact goes far beyond the words that he recites. It doesn't matter. To the point is that if somebody would go and learn Torah, it's very hard to remain a non-believer. And Rav Shashapikas goes and says, but you see people do it. He says they work very hard. They work very hard to remain a non-believer after learning Torah. Because very few people learn a lot of Torah and still deny Hashem. Usually what happens is they learn Torah in the past, and then they believe. But now they stop learning, and then they start not believing. But the very act of learning Torah brings a person to Emunah. Even, even, listen to this, even if he misunderstands the topic, you learn, and you, you came to errors. I'm not talking about halachic things. You came, you came to some sort of errors. Still, that's considered Torah, and still Hashem is pleased with that learning. When a person learns earnestly, when a person learns with Yirat Shemaim, with, with this devotion towards, Hashem considers even his mistakes Torah learning. That is also considered Torah learning. Because the effort and the exertion that a person puts into learning, that's the primary factor of the Torah's ability to go and bring him closer to Emunah. Toiling in Torah works the heart and plows it, says Rav Shem This is the power. You want to go, and he says even furthermore, he says you go to Kirov seminars. We have three, four days, people go in not believing, they leave changed. And he says, yes, you have to have good speakers. You have to have good topics that people, but the truth of the matter is, you know what changes that person? That's Torah. It doesn't matter if they were learning the most interesting topics, or they were learning a simple topic that has nothing, an ox that gourd. When did you have an ox that gourd anything? But you learn that that also imbues upon you Torah. And in fact, Rav Shishabikis goes and says, he says specifically, two people that are holding onto a, a, a garment and they're, they're going into Bez and saying, this one belongs to me. He says, you go to a Kerev seminar and they speak about proving Hashem and they speak about all these things. Those are great. But you know what's the real, you know where, where they would gain so much more? If they simply open up a Gemara and they learn a Gemara. They simply go and they learn the, the Torah, that's going to imbue upon them such a great power of, of, of spirituality that it's going to open, it's going to get them closer to Hashem. It's going to get them closer to understanding it. So you want to know what's one of the main things that causes a person to lose those are sins. What is something that makes a person come closer? That is learning Torah, doing mitzvot, getting closer to that, getting closer to Hashem. Um, okay, it's very late. I had a little bit more, but maybe we'll leave it for, for a... Uh, 
for a different time. Let's open it up to um, let's open it up to any questions. Okay. Um. Uh, <laughs> okay. There's one private message. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Next one. Next question. It wasn't well. First of all, it was a question. Should someone do kira if they may be in a bad environment and things uh, against Hashem and the Torah? So that's actually a very, very good question. The question is: Should you go and put yourself in a situation to do kira if it's a bad environment? So it really depends. It really depends. Sometimes you you should not put yourself in a situation that, you know, especially if you're not on a high level and you don't know how to answer all those questions, you're going to put yourself, you think you're doing Kiru, but at the end of the day, you're really causing more harm to yourself because they're going to ask you questions that you're not well-versed and you're going to be like, well, you know what? They said it in a very convincing manner, so it must be that it's true. So it really depends on the situation. If it's a very simple topic, you know, that you know, of course, you know, go for it. But don't go into like an atheistic convention um, you know, like the Super Bowl or something. I'm just kidding. Uh, don't go into some sort of, uh, you know, atheistic gathering and be like, okay, guys, I'm going to give you a shield. Listen up. And they're going to start arguing with you and you have no idea how to respond. That's not something that I would, I would recommend. So it, it depends on where you're holding. It depends on the people. It depends on, it depends on a lot of factors. Um, it really depends on a lot of factors that I really shouldn't answer in a general way, but that's the generalized answer. Okay, next question. What if Hashem takes away your health and you can't do the mitzvot that you used to? Why would Hashem do that, and what is the way to go about it? Okay, so that is a very good question. So let's say somebody goes, and somebody wants to get closer to Hashem, but they don't have the ability to. And let's say the ability is, is that they are sick, they're bedbound, they can't do the mitzvot that they need to. So, two questions over here. Number one, what, how are we supposed to do, what are we supposed to go from here? And number two is, why did God do that? So let's start with number one. Why is it, actually question number one is, what? how should a person go about doing it? So, we know a very, very important concept in Torah that if someone's an honest, if someone wants to do a mitzvah, now I'm talking about they really want to do a mitzvah, but it's beyond their ability to do the mitzvah, God gives them reward as if they did it. But that means you have the desire. So if you want to know, if you can't do a certain mitzvah and you want to get reward for doing it, it pretty much boils down to your desire. Do you have such a strong desire to go and to complete that mitzvah? Do you have a strong desire to go and, you know, Learn the Torah, but you just can't. It's just be, for whatever reason you're not allowed, you're not allowed to do it. So you get reward for doing that. There's other mitzvot that let's say you don't have the ability to do it. So one way to go around and getting the reward for it is to learn about it. And so right now we don't have the Beth Hamikdash. So you want to know how it counts as if you did uh, you gave a korban. You learn about korbanot. That's why this in in the tefillah we say different things in the korbanot. We we as sort of 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 what we're doing in place of the korbanot. So there's different ways to go about and getting the reward even though you're not able to do it. Now the stronger question is why would God do that? If Hashem wants me to come closer to Hashem, then why would God go and prevent me from coming closer to Hashem? So the answer is we don't know. We're not God. I can't, nobody can tell you you don't want to know because X, Y, and Z. But one thing is that we do know that if you are put in a certain situation, there was a reason for it. And sometimes the reason is dealing with it. Sometimes the reason is going and finding help and getting out of it. There's so many different variables over here that it's impossible to say what exactly the reason is. So you have to study your own situation and you have to try to do your best and figure out how do I get out of this situation. Maybe I need to do chuba. No, let's rephrase that. For sure I need to do chuba. Maybe I need to go to this doctor. Maybe I need to do X, Y. Maybe I need to do Z. Maybe I need to do certain things. So the more that we go and we start figuring out, the more hope that we have. 
But to say why Hashem did something, we have to realize a very, very important concept. That we are not Hashem's accountant. And we don't know why this happened. And we, yes, we have reasons. And yes, we have understanding. The Torah tells us many reasons of why things could happen. But ultimately, to pinpoint it, unless you don't have Ruach HaKadosh, sorry, unless you do have Ruach HaKadosh, you and we don't know why something happened. But if it happened, there is a reason for it. Okay, and let's say I don't want to, I'm assuming, do a mitzvah. And I don't do it. So because that, does my munah go down? So let's say you have an opportunity to do a mitzvah. And I think this is what the question is. So let's say you have an opportunity to do a mitzvah. And you don't do a mitzvah. Does that go, um, does that emunah go down? So this is an interesting question because what did we say until now? We said that if you do a sin, then you lose. If you do a mitzvah, you gain. What about if you refrain from doing a mitzvah? Do you lose or do you stay the same? Good question, right? I don't know if that was a question, but if it was, excellent question. If not, then please write and I'll answer that question next. So there are certain mitzvot that if you don't do it, it's considered a sin. So for example, for a man to put on tefillin, it's not just a mitzvah for someone to put on tefillin. If they don't put on the tefillin, it's a sin. They have to go and they have to do tshuva on that. So it actually does bring a person, bring a person down. If you want to say you're going above and beyond in a certain scenario, is that, so then technically speaking, most likely you're not falling down. Okay, that looks like that was the final question. Good? Yes? Okay, excellent, amazing. Thank you all for joining. Thank you all for participating. Until next week, Be'ezrat Hashem. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.